0: It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene
1: across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor
2: recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. I'm going to start off the show with one word, ouch. Ouch. That's what describes my current mood and my current feeling. You see, I was exhibiting at the Washington Sportsman Show. We've been talking about that lately. And on Saturday night, I was back at my motel room. I was watching Saturday Night Live. Not a great addition, by the way. And after the show ended, decided to walk out to my pickup truck to get a treat for Sam, my Springer Spaniel, who'd had a great time at the show. And being the oaf that I am, I managed to trip on the curb, fall on my knee, and rupture my tendon below my kneecap, and I couldn't get up. I was like, Mr. Bill, help me, I can't get up. The hotel clerk who saw the whole thing tried to help me up, but couldn't. Had to call 911. A couple of burly firemen got me to my bed, and the next morning, a couple of friends of mine, Bob Loomis with Max Lewer and Richie Herod with Herod Outdoors, got me into the driver's seat of my truck so Sam and I could head to the emergency room. Quickly found out that the tendon was indeed ruptured, and I was going to need surgery, and that's what happened earlier this week back in my hometown. So I'm wearing a full knee brace now, and it's going to be a slow bend. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be wearing this knee brace for about eight weeks. Needless to say, I am not exhibiting at the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show in Portland, Oregon this week, as I hope to do, and I'm not sure I'm even going to be able to make the Bassmaster Classic in Oklahoma, which I was very excited about attending this year. I'm hoping for the best on that one. Should know more in a week or two after my first follow-up appointment with my doctor. And uh, I'll, I'll repeat this later in the show. Prayers for healing, quick recovery would be really appreciated. I could use them right now. But I will say this. I am very thankful to the medical staff that both the ER in Puyallup, and also to the staff at Samaritan Hospital and Confluence Health in Moses Lake, Washington, and especially to a certain RN named Sarah who took the time in Puyallup to actually take Sam out of the truck twice while I was at the hospital there and actually take him for a walk and get him outside. So, can't say enough to you about that, Sarah. Appreciate it more than you know. This week on the show, we've got a lot happier things to talk about. We've got some outdoors news that I want to share topic is going to be wolves. That's always a controversial topic, but then we are going to go ahead and share three great guests with you with three great stories. The first one is going to be Mark Holyoke. He is with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, longtime spokesperson for this organization headquartered out of Missoula, Montana, and they are celebrating 40 years of great work in the field of conservation. He's going to tell you about some of the things they've accomplished, not just over the last 40 years, but in the last year especially, and some things you're going to be working on in the year ahead, and how you can help out. And one way you can do so is by attending a banquet near you. This is really the fuel that drives the funding for this organization, and these banquets are all sorts of fun. So stay tuned for that chat with Mark Holyoke in a few minutes. Right after that, we're going to get to talk to a very famous elk hunter indeed. That would be Randy Newberg, longtime host of Fresh Tracks, very well-known personality, who is all about do-it-yourself elk hunting on public lands. He's also a passionate advocate for our public lands and your access to them. And he's been giving some seminars at the Sportsman Shows. The the topic is Marriage 101 for Elk Hunters. He's going to give you some tips on how to stay happily married, something he's done for 35 years now with his wife while still managing to hunt 100 days a year, and go fishing 40 days a year. Not bad for this man out of Bozeman, Montana. I think you're going to want to pay attention to what Randy has to say. And by the way, Randy, happy anniversary. 35 years, that's absolutely amazing. The good news continues with our final guest. That would be Colin Kearns, the editor-in-chief of Field & Stream magazine. We've got some great news. Field & Stream has been bought by another company, and that company is bringing back the magazine in print. As you know, a couple of years ago, both Outdoor Life and Field & Stream went to just being online publications, but starting in May, you're gonna be able to subscribe to Field & Stream, get it delivered right to your doorstep, and leaf through the pages of this iconic magazine that's been around for well over 100 years. Colin's gonna tell you all about how this is coming about and how you can go ahead and subscribe to the new field and stream magazine coming out in print before we do that though let's share some outdoors news we're starting things off with a story from outdoor life out of wisconsin where a retired game warden is under investigation after shooting a wolf in wisconsin he is claiming self-defense but this case is not as clear-cut as it seems according to outdoor life pat quaintance a retired Wisconsin conservation warden and prominent figure in state wildlife issues is under investigation for shooting a collared wolf in his backyard around 1 a.m. on Christmas of 2023. According to the Bayfield County Sheriff Chief Deputy Andy Rooney's, Quaint called us reporting he killed a collared wolf that was at their back door. Two of our deputies responded to the scene at 2.43 a.m. and took possession of the wolf. Quainton said he shot the wolf because it had been hanging around his yard. There was no indication the wolf had attacked a person or pets, according to Renice. Quaintance is the former president of the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, a current member of the Wisconsin Conservation Congress, and the current president of the Wisconsin Association of Sporting Dogs. Because of his former position as a state game warden, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is taking the lead into the investigation instead of the state DNR. Quaintance, who is an advocate of hunting with hounds and actively hunts a variety of species with his dogs, has previously expressed concerns over their safety because of the high population of wolves in his area. Quains has also reported conflicts with wolves to the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Wildlife Service Division and has been vocal in his argument against restrictions in the state's DNR's wolf management plan. Quains has supported the idea that wolf quotas should be revisited and that there should be a fixed number population goal of 350 wolves instead of a fluctuating population goal of 800 to 1,200 individuals in Wisconsin. The last legal wolf hunt that happened in Wisconsin was a three-day hunt held in February of 2021, which resulted in 218 wolves being harvested, which was about 100 more wolves than state-licensed hunters were allocated. Studies have shown that a 200-wolf quota would not impact recruitment of wolves statewide, but questions remain about the state's ability to manage the population if only the state's quota is filled, and after the controversial hunt, Wolves return to the federal endangered species list, meaning they cannot be shot for any reason other than self-defense. Like I said, not as clear-cut as a lot of stories are, and there's definitely a backstory to this as well. As the investigation continues, Outdoor Life will follow the story and report about charges being filed or not, and we will share that with you as well. In other wolf-related news, the state of Washington is looking at whether to... Put some of their wolves is not threatened as endangered but instead as a sensitive status especially in northeast washington where wolf numbers are abundant however washington state has a fish and wildlife commission that is definitely a preservationist commission the majority of them at least with a number of the commissioners having a clear bias of protecting bears cougars and wolves and the science be damned so we shall see where this conversation goes in the Evergreen State. Meanwhile, in California, where there were no wolves until 2011, when a wolf named OR7 wandered in from Northeast Oregon, there's now seven packs of wolves living in Northern California. And according to the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, they were responsible for 16 attacks on livestock since August of 2023, totaling a loss of 18 livestock. The state is looking at making some potential changes to the way they they compensate livestock owners. When it comes to wolves, there's always a lot of news and it's always controversial. But in just a minute, we're going to change this conversation from wolves to elk when we talk to Mark Holyoke with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation about their 40th anniversary.
1: Dalles, the hub where discovery and history come together. Whether the Northwest is your home or you're on an adventure, the Dalles welcomes you. Just 80 miles east of Portland is the perfect year-round escape with a community that cares about you. 300 days of sun, breathtaking outdoor recreation, and a downtown full of the unexpected. Oh, and the rich history that began before the Oregon Trail. Start planning at ExploreTheDalles.com.
3: Camp Chef, we've been in pursuit of one thing for 30 years, more flavor. And now we've taken the same bold hardwood flavor you've come to love in our pellets and applied it to our new line of hardwood spices. With three classic flavors, hickory, charred cherry, and competition blend, you can now apply that hardwood flavor directly to your meat. Available in coarse or fine ground. I mean, you put crushed up plants on your food. So you tell me, is this crazy genius?
1: Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at americaoutdoorsradio.com.
4: Immerse yourself in a complete Alaska wilderness experience through Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Up to six of you will spend a week in a beautiful waterfront log home in a secluded cove. Every day is a new adventure. Go on a guided fishing trip or haul in a bounty of shrimp and crab. Visit a Native American village where totem poles are carved. Go on a whale or bear watching trip and return back to your very own place at the end of the day. Find out more about the Alaska wilderness experience at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com.
2: You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. We are heading to Bozeman, Montana. That's the home of Randy Newberg, that very well-known public lands advocate and DIY public lands elk hunter. Randy, great to have you back on the air.
3: Dan, thanks so much. I always enjoy our conversation. It's great to, to bump into each other at the shows and, and catch up. So thanks for having me.
2: Well. To be honest with all of our listeners out there, this is the second time I've had you. We actually recorded an interview at the Washington Sportsman <laughs> Show, but being the consummate professional I am, I pushed the wrong input button. So we didn't record any audio at all. So we're, we're doing a do-over here.
3: <laughs> I laugh because I've done the same thing. <laughs>
2: Oh, it's not all perfection in the wide world of outdoors media, folks, that's for sure. But you're very gracious to do do-over. And I want to talk about the seminar that you gave at both the Washington and Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show, 101 for Elk Hunters. Go ahead and tell our listeners the premise of this.
3: Yeah, the idea, it, it goes off, it, it's kind of a spinoff of a lot of the things I talk about on my podcast and other places that I, I do content. You know, 30-some years of being a CPA tax accountant. You get to deal with a lot of marriage dynamics when the couples are in your office, and uh, I've always kind of made jokes about my, you know, my ability to to go hunting so much, and and I I tell people I'm probably the marriage counselor you want to listen to because my 35th wedding anniversary is tomorrow. I hunt 100 days a year and I fish 40 days a year. Who do you want to take marriage advice from me or the guy down the street who's Got a, you know, supposedly a marriage counselor, but he's been divorced three times. So, uh, when the folks who run those shows heard how much marriage advice I get asked and how it becomes a topic of a lot of my content, they said, let's do that at all the trade shows this year, or all the sports shows this year. I'm like, all right. So, that's how it came about.
2: Well, you had a couple of great nuggets that you have for recommendations. Why don't you share them?
3: Yeah, the, the presentation only has two slides. And the first slide is a kind of a warning to the guy's advice that was given to me by the guy I worked with at the sawmill while I was going to college. He said, Randy, I've met your soon-to-be wife, and I've worked with you for three years. You don't bring anything to the table that she couldn't replace by noon tomorrow. So <laughs> behave accordingly. And uh, that was really good advice. And then over the course of being married... I realized that uh, I am more interested in peace than justice. And when I adopted that idea about the third year of my marriage, it just got a whole lot easier. So those are the two slides. And then we, we go into question and answer sessions from that. And uh, When you, know, you and I spoke at the up show uh, the next day, I did that seminar. And I could not believe how many couples showed up. I had to give a disclaimer. I'm not responsible for (laughs) any consequences of the advice I give today.
2: (laughs) But, you know, I think that that last one, peace, not justice, is a real nugget. I mean, all of us, younger, older, whatever age, we all want to be right. We all want to prove our point. And if you insist on doing that with your spouse, you know, sometimes you might have the justice of being right, but there's not going to be peace in the house at all, is there?
3: Not at all. And I, I, when I started using that statement a long time ago, I started doing some research around, you know, marriage and, and dynamics of relationships. and There was an article in the Wall Street Journal that talked about this kind of stuff, and there, that old article said that two out of three times the guy is wrong because we don't listen as well as we, we think we do. And so I got to thinking about that. Well, if I'm wrong two out of three times, why am I even arguing? (laughs) And for the one time I might be right, I don't have a compelling enough argument to convince my spouse that I am right. So I'm wrong anyhow. So why, why even go that route? (laughs) So, no. <laughs> uh, that, that's where I've, I've settled on that one statement, He's well, not justice.
2: Well, definitely some great nuggets and gr- definitely the makings of a great seminar. Uh, let's turn our attention to something else. You know, I mean, you've, you've yep. hosted a number of television shows over the years, and you've done a lot. Right now, you're involved with a project called OutdoorClassroom.com. Why don't you tell our listeners what this is all
3: about? Yeah, a few years ago, some people uh, came to to me, a friend of mine, Corey Jacobson, at the University of Alabama, and we wanted to figure out how could we capitalize on this rapid change of both the infrastructure and technology to do online learning, but, uh, how people have really migrated towards online learning, and we do a lot of seminars, but you can only reach so many people a seminar, so we came up with an idea called OutdoorClass.com, and there's me, there's Corey, Remy Warren, John Barker, there's uh, a lot of Hank Shaw, uh, a whole lot of people who are well known in the, the outdoor space out west here. And every, I don't know, probably every quarter, we're adding more classes and more classes. And, and it's a way for people to kind of bridge that gap, especially the people who are maybe that intermediary, or, or they've been hunting a couple of years, but they're looking for that. That's level of knowledge and, and instruction, and it's a place for them to go and get it online.
2: This sounds very similar to something I've subscribed to, Bass University, which again is yep. not for the beginner, but it's really for the intermediate angler, helping them get better, learning from the pros, through online learning. And that's a subscription-based service. You pay X amount a year. Is the same for the outdoor classroom?
3: Yep, same thing. And promo code Randy will get you a big discount.
2: All right. Well, there you go, folks. If you want to learn to be a better hunter and maybe a better wild game cook, go to OutdoorClassroom.com. That's OutdoorClassroom.com. Use the promo code Randy. You'll get a very nice discount, and you'll be on your way to being a better outdoorsman. Randy, always a pleasure, sir, to have you on America Outdoors Radio.
3: Thanks, John. Appreciate it, as always. Look forward to seeing you.
2: Next, we've got some great news from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. They have been named as the fifth best-selling brand on GunBroker.com for 2023. Henry Repeating Arms also produces two of the top three best-selling rifles on the platform. And this achievement is a huge testament to Henry Repeating's armed commitment to quality innovation and its customers. They make all of their firearms right here in America. Now, GunBroker.com, the world's largest online marketplace for firearms, firearms, ammunition, and accessories has become a key barometer of industry trends and consumer preferences. In hearing this news, Anthony Imperato, founder and CEO of Henry Repeating Arms, says to our more than 800 employees in Wisconsin and New Jersey, our stellar customer service team, and every one of our dealers and customers, we thank you. None of this is possible without their dedication and continued support. Since Henry Repeating Arms introduced its first offering in 1996, the classic lever-action 22 rifle, the company has become synonymous with American craftsmanship, exemplary customer service, and a deep appreciation for America's shooting sports and hunting heritage. The company has a diverse product line, including not only lever-action rifles, but shotguns and revolvers, and they are known for their reliability, accuracy, iconic designs, and smooth actions. You can find out more and check out the entire line up at henryusa.com it's henryusa.com and don't forget to ask for your free decals and catalog while you're there
4: When you think of WorkSharp knife and tool sharpeners, you probably think of sharpeners for the shop or the field, but WorkSharp has a whole lineup of sharpeners for the kitchen, too. We're talking about everything from easy-to-use manual and electric knife sharpeners to ceramic honing rods, whetstones, and the new Rolling Knife Sharpener, And innovative manual sharpeners that will do wonders for your cutlery. Make sure there's never a dull moment in your kitchen. Check out the entire product line and order today at WorkSharpTools.com. That's WorkSharpTools.com
2: you're back in with america outdoors radio i'm john cruz we've got mark holyoke on the line he is the spokesperson for the rocky mountain elk foundation an organization that is celebrating its 40th anniversary mark welcome back to the show thanks uh, john appreciate it so 40 years, go ahead and, and tell us a little bit about the inception of the organization and how big it is now.
5: Well, it's really funny. We started in a double-wide trailer in the middle of a field outside of a small town in Montana, and today we've got 220 225,000 members uh, spread, spread across the country and doing some uh, measurable and significant habitat work and uh, land conservation and public access work, and so it's... Uh, from where we were and to where we are has been uh, some grand steps indeed. But the, the organization was started by four elk hunters who got together and said, hey, you know what, there's not really, there's not really a group out there that advocates for this animal, for the, the wapiti, for the elk. And, you know, there's ducks and turkeys and others, but none for the elk. And so they decided that they would pinch pennies, which is exactly what they did and uh, start an organization and try to start a bit of a movement. And here we are today, 40 years later.
2: Got to ask, you're located in Missoula, Montana. That's the headquarters. Is the Visitor Center back open yet?
5: It is. It's been open for for a little while now. We had some flooding issues and some other things in the building due to some uh, broken sprinkler pipes. But it's open. It's operational. There's some new interactive displays and there's a lot more offerings for po- people who want to come, and um, it's kind of a storefront for a number of our partners as well uh, that that have different outdoor industry materials that they're they're offering and and product, and so it's it's really kind of fun.
2: Let's talk a little bit about uh, some places where you've helped establish elk. Not only helped establish them, gotten to the point where they can be hunted now. And Pennsylvania is one of those places. I understand that 144 hunters harvested 118 elk during the 2023 season. That's really a success story, isn't it?
5: It really is. You know, a lot of people, you know, our our name obviously is Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. A lot of people might not realize it, but the state with their second highest membership is Pennsylvania. Uh, We have a lot of members there. We have a lot of chapters there. And because we have chapters that hold banquets and they raise funding, we're able to put that funding back on the ground and be able to help that Pennsylvania Game Commission to... Maintain and enhance elk habitat, and of course, all the impacts that has for for other animals, upland birds, deer, black bears, as well. But uh, there, yeah, there's been a an elk herd in Pennsylvania for decades. Uh, about 1,400 right now, and it's a, while I've never been there, uh, it's just a different kind of hunting. It's super super thick, it's different than out here out west. And those hunters who go out, uh, there's a there's a very high success rate in being able to punch a tag, which is good for them.
2: Let's talk about some of the success stories from 2023, especially in Kentucky and Oregon.
5: Yeah, you know, late last year, these were some, some organizational priority projects that we were chasing uh, for quite some time. But, uh, but in Kentucky, uh, we were able to work with the Nature Conservancy and, uh, and the, the Kentucky Wildlife folks there to basically open access, to protect and open access to almost 55,000 acres of private land. So it remains private, but because of an agreement that's in place, the Kentucky Department of, uh, of Wildlife Resources, they will manage the property, and they manage access to it, and so it significantly expands public access to just a big chunk of Kentucky. So it's hard to find big chunks of land back east. It really is. I and mean, a lot of it's, it's different than out west, where a lot of it is public. You know, back there, it's private. So this is that's kind of a, a bit of a landmark uh, conservation win there. So it's, it's good for animals, and it's good for Not just hunters, but, you know, those who want to fish there as well and hike and and take advantage of that landscape. And then out in Oregon, in northeast Oregon, this was a project that's been in the works and that Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife has wanted to make happen since the 60s. But uh, it was was a two-phase project, and now we've been able to work with them and Manulife Investment to protect and open access to 15,000 acres. So two significant wins uh, to cap off a great year on different sides of the country, But on both fronts, it's big for wildlife, and it's big for hunters, and it's big for folks who love different species.
2: And in addition to this, uh, you've done a lot more. A couple of examples, uh, allocating $400,000 to conserve migration corridors, another $250,000 to map those migration corridors. You've also supplied $200,000 to advance chronic wasting disease research management. This is definitely an issue throughout the country right now. And all of this money... You know, it's got to get funded somewhere, and the way the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation funds a lot of it is through your banquets. Tell us a little bit about these banquets and how important they are to your organization.
5: Yeah, they really are important. We have approximately 500 chapters across the country, and, you know, they're manned by volunteers. Uh, We we do have staffers who are scattered throughout the country who assist, but it's the volunteers who get together, and they, they plan banquets, they host banquets, there's dinners, there's raffles, and other... Fundraising activities that go on that allow us to raise funding, so we can turn around and put it back on the ground um, in those specific states. Now, there's a, there, I think we have 20, 28 states or so that have wild free-ranging elk. So there's a number of states that don't have wild elk populations, but even in those states, we have chapters and they raise funding and we're able to put it back on the ground, but to benefit, oh youth hunts and camps and youth shooting teams, recreational shooting teams, National Archery in the Schools program, that sorts of things. So even then, in those states, we have the opportunity to, to raise funding, that benefits, hunting, habitat enhancement, wildlife management, those sorts of things. Uh, just I'll throw one other stat out there. Uh, last year, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation committed $5.7 million, and that leveraged uh, $26.7 million and that's specifically for habitat enhancement and wildlife management across the country. So we're talking more than, what, $32 million that's been able to put on the ground. And a lot of this that goes back to good folks who work hard and give it their time to uh, plan these banquets and carry them out. And so I guess I just say if you're interested in attending a banquet, you know, go to rmef.org and click around, and you'll be able to find an event page and see if you have one near you. Uh, they're a lot of fun, and there's great food, too. <laughs>
2: They are indeed a lot of fun. There is great food, and you have the opportunity to support a great cause. The website to go to, rmef.org. That's rmef.org. One of the things I want to touch on before we go is, you know, the administrative costs. Nonprofits always have administrative costs, but your organization runs really lean, which means the vast majority of dollars donated goes to work on the ground and not to the headquarters staff.
5: Yeah, and that's important, you know. There there's so much to do out there. It's it's never ending. And so, you know, those of us who work here uh realize that, and, you know, we have different things, lots of things that are on our table and I for one, just in my particular position, appreciate that having a diversity of things to do. But uh but yeah, it's important for us to be able to to make a difference out there. And that's something that we can say after 40 years is is we've made a a sizable difference, a, a measurable difference. Later this year, we will probably pass 9 million acres in lifetime conservation work. And so when we were founded in 1984, there were 550,000 elk in North America. Today, there's more than 1.1 million. Now, there's a lot of factors that go into that, but we'd like to think that we have a, had a small part in that in bringing that to pass. And so for those of us who, who love the outdoors, who love being in wild country, you know, if you're fishing or hunting or just recreating... The work that the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation does is not just for elk. It's also for other species, and it's also for all those folks as well.
2: That's the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation celebrating 40 years of great conservation work. Find out more and attend a banquet near you. The website to go to, again, is rmef.org. Thanks as always, Mark. All right. Thank you. Take care. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at WorkSharp. And if you are hunting this fall, you know the importance of a sharp knife. You're going to need it for gutting that animal, butchering that animal, taking the hide off that animal, and there's a good chance you're going to have to sharpen it more than once while you're doing these things in the field. That's why a pocket knife sharpener or the guided field sharpener from WorkSharp are great items to have with you. Whether you're after deer, elk, pronghorn, or bear... A sharp knife helps you get things done after you drop that animal. Look for WorkSharp products at sporting goods stores, hardware stores, and ranch and home stores near you, or online at WorkSharpTools.com. That's WorkSharpTools.com. Been telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in southeast Alaska for a while now, and there's a reason. They are the only Alaska Lodge we talk about in this show. It's because they're truly Alaska's best lodge. The adventure starts with a float plane ride from Ketchikan, after which you'll get the chance to experience some of the best hospitality, food, and wonderful people you'll ever meet. Wildlife is abundant, from bears and deer to eagles and whales, and let's not forget the reason you're here: the fishing halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge.
5: I'm Anthony Imperado, president of Henry Repeating Arms. Patriotic Americans are looking to protect and provide for their families now more than ever. Henry has over 200 rifles and shotguns to choose from. Made in America or not made at all. And backed by a lifetime guarantee. Order a free catalog, decals, and a list of Henry dealers in your area. Go to henryusa.com or call 1-800-958-4993. Thank you and God bless America.
2: John Cruz here looking to improve your bottom line as a business that caters to outdoors enthusiasts you can do so for a very cost-effective price by advertising on America Outdoors Radio I will tailor a marketing campaign for you reaching hundreds of thousands of listeners every weekend tuning into our show on 135 stations in 33 states we've got a sponsor opening right now so contact me through my website at americaoutdoorsradio.com and let's talk about helping you
6: Attention small business owners, this could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You may be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee through the employee retention credit. Call Omega Accounting Solutions to see if your business is eligible to recover payroll tax pay during the pandemic. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute consultation to determine your qualifications. Call Omega Accounting Solutions at 800-309-ERC. Omega's knowledgeable staff will streamline the process of filing complicated paperwork. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. CPAs even turn to Omega for ERC guidance. Take advantage of this exclusive small business tax credit before it's too late. The three-year sunset deadline is setting soon. So find out if you qualify today. Call 800-309-ERC. That's 800-309-ERC. Or visit omegataxcredits.com.
2: You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Colin Kearns on the line. He is the editor of Field & Stream magazine, and he's got big news. Field & Stream is going back into print. Colin, welcome to the
0: show. Congratulations. Thanks, John. Uh, I couldn't be more excited to to be here and share this awesome and very exciting news with you and your audience. Well, I know that the
2: the lay of the land, when it comes to media anymore, is primarily digital, but I'm that guy, like so many other guys, who likes to hold a magazine in my hand and leaf through the pages, or in the living room or on the commode. It's just kind of a tradition, I guess, for most men to read Field and Stream in that sort of setting.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I've been clear to, to many a deer camp where uh, the, the John had a, a stack of a Field and Streams piled high on, on the back. <laughs> so what has brought this change about? Well, it's been a whirlwind the last few months. So in, in early December, uh, Field and Stream was acquired uh, by new ownership from our, our previous company and the first uh, order of business uh, with this new ownership, the, you know, the company is just Field and Stream now. So that's, that's an exciting kind of Nice way, convenient way to think of it, but the, the first order of operations, uh, that when they, they acquired us, they said, we want to bring back the magazine, the print magazine. Now, Feeling Stream, we've been publishing a digital magazine for the, for the last two years, and, you know, we've published some great stories, have been really proud of those issues, but if we're being perfectly honest, you know, a digital magazine just isn't the same as print. I know that, you know that, and our readers know that. And, you know, so it's been a few years since we've had an issue, a physical issue of the magazine, and, you know, readers were not shy about being vocal, uh, letting me know how much they missed the print magazine. So when, when the new company, the new owners, said that they wanted to bring back the print magazine, it was one of the greatest days of my career when I got to share that news with our audience, you know, kind of shout it from the rooftop that the print magazine, not the digital magazine, the print magazine is coming back. And, you know, we've been hard at work on it. And uh, I cannot wait to uh, to share this first issue with our readers. Colin,
2: how long have you been the editor of Field & Stream magazine now?
0: I've been the editor since 2017, and I've been with the brand. I've been with Field & Stream uh, since 2008, so I've been here a long time. Uh, Field & Stream is very near and dear to my heart, and uh, you know, I've been through some— it's been a roller coaster since I've been here. I've been through some— Ups and downs and, you know, during those, those down stretches, uh, such as, you know, the, the period when we shut down the, the, print magazine after being in publication for 125 years, that was definitely a down point. But, you know, what kept me there, um, during those, those down stretches were just a love of the brand, a, you know, loyalty to our audience, a loyalty to my coworkers and, and just, you know, some hope that maybe you know that the magazine could come back, and that I could get back to telling stories in print and doing the thing that I love doing more than anything. Which which is exactly that, telling great hunting and fishing stories in print. And lo and behold, that opportunity came kind of out of the blue uh, last December, at the end of last year, You know, when, when this, um, the new owners came in and acquired us and, and told us that they had big things in store for us. And, and uh, among those big plans, we're, we're bringing back the, the print magazine. So now I'm back on a high. I, I mean, um, I, I truly could not. This is about as excited as I've, I've ever been in all my time at Field & Stream. One of the things I love
2: about Field & Stream are the writers. You have a great staff yeah. of writers. Tell me that you've kept this stable intact.
0: Absolutely, we've kept it stable intact, and, and we're maybe adding a, a few new ones there. But um, you will in in the first issue that we've got coming out at the end of May um, this coming spring. There will be stories by David E. Petzel, Phil Borzelli, Will Brantley, T. Edward Nickens and Scott Bestial, uh, Joe Sermelli and everybody who you associate with Film Stream is going to be in this first issue. We are coming out guns blazing with with this first issue as a way of, you know, getting readers fired up about um, the primping back, but um, also trying to, to make up for lost time. Like it's, you know, I said, three years is a long time to, to go without having a, a physical copy of Film Stream arriving in your mailbox. And, and with this first issue, we're giving it everything we've got and hopefully making up for lost time.
2: Well, definitely top-shelf writers, kind of like the New York Yankees dug out there when it comes to the the quality of personnel you've got that are writing for the magazine. If Will Brantley's involved with the May edition, I'm guessing something involving turkey hunting is going to be in there.
0: Absolutely. Turkey hunting is going to be a, a big topic in this issue, and he's got a, um, his first hunting column in in this issue uh is is about hunting easterns and in the hardwoods which is you know the great thing about wills he he does it all he hunts and he fishes he noodles the guy is just an all-around outdoorsman but you know uh, i know him well enough to know that uh his favorite thing is by far is is hunting uh turkeys in the spring and so that'll no surprise will be the the topic of, of his first column
2: Oh, yes. Uh, and another thing I love about Will is he's a humble man. He's, you know, he's an expert, definitely an expert. Yeah. But, but he's also humble, and when he screws up, he admits it to his audience.
0: Absolutely, yeah. He, he knows what, what's so great about Will is um, he takes his job very seriously. He takes hunting and fishing very seriously. But he doesn't always take himself that seriously. And, and you know, when he misses a shot or, or loses a fish or, or whatever, which doesn't happen too often because the, the guy's very good. But when he does... He's not afraid to, to make fun of himself or, or let others tease him a bit. And, and he'll share those, those stories and those anecdotes in his writing. And, and I think a, a lot of our um, audience really appreciates that. And, and, and that's why he's such a relatable person. You know, they, you read a story by Will Brantley or, or Bill Heavey or Phil Borgeli, and even though you don't know them and you might never meet them, you feel like you know them through, through their stories because they're so relatable and there, there's no egos about these, the, these writers. Uh, very well said
2: and very true indeed and speaking of outdoorsman uh, you're one yourself i know you like to spend time in the woods of new york either deer hunting in the fall or doing some trout fishing Have if you had the opportunity to do either lately
0: so I've, it's been a couple months since since i've done some trout fishing the biggest adventure and my life right now is a 16 month old boy named Leonard and he keeps my wife and I very busy on a day to day basis. But I was able to, to sneak away a few uh, days to, to do some trout fishing on my favorite river in New York. Well, forgive me if I don't share the name of that river. I gotta keep some things secret. But yeah, I, I've gotten, got to go trout fishing um, a little bit last fall and then my birthday is coming up in March, and every year on my birthday, I, I always go trout fishing. So I'm excited to-, to hit the river again this spring. I'm counting down the days. <laughs> well, congratulations to
2: you and your wife on the birth of your baby, Walter Leonard. You. And, you know, with him being 16 months, once he hits two years old and he's walking around, you're going to be able to take him on some of those trout fishing adventures. And I have no doubt that uh, he'll and fall in love with it as much as you have.
0: I look forward to that. I think about that all the time. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to take him on the river or, or the pond or wherever and, and just show him a bit of what I've learned on my own and some of the, the great fishing tips I've, I've picked up from Jim Jim's for for so many years. And hopefully looking forward to, to passing along those lessons and, and these traditions uh, down to him. So the first
2: print edition is coming out in May the website to Correct. go to, fieldandstream.com, subscribe and get it delivered to your yes. house. And of course you can always get the digital edition right now as well. Will Field and Stream be on newsstands? It will not be on newsstand. That's a
0: decision, you know, you know, we could go kind of into the nitty gritty on the, you know, business decisions for that, but we decided not to, to make it available on the newsstand because we want to put this right in the hands directly of our core and most loyal uh, readers and so if you anyone could subscribe but if you want to subscribe get the magazine you've got to subscribe and uh, like you said you go to FieldAndStream.com and look for something called the 1871 Club uh, 1871 is the year in which the, the Field and Stream brand first made itself known to to American outdoorsmen and outdoorswomen and, and so we're really pulling up the, the heritage and, and the history of Field and Stream there but look for the 1871 Club on FieldAndStream.com and that's where you can find details on how you can subscribe to to get the first
2: issue of the magazine all right that's field and stream folks it is back in print starting in may so go to field dot check out the 1871 club and subscribe today and get that first edition in your hands come may you're gonna love it you to love everything the writers there are putting out Colin, congratulations again and thanks for sharing this with us today on america outdoors radio it was my pleasure thanks john I love ending this show on a high note, and boy, what a high note it is that Field and Stream is coming back into print, and you can just tell how excited Colin is about it. I'd like to thank our other great guest today, Randy Newberg, of course. It's always a pleasure to get him on the air. He's probably the most gregarious certified public accountant I've ever met, he's just a jewel of a guy, too, who really knows his stuff when it comes to DIY elk hunting on public lands, and you don't have a better ambassador for public lands hunting than Randy either. And of course, it's always a pleasure to get Mark Holyoke on the air with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And it's fantastic that this great organization, which does so much for conservation and for hunting, is celebrating 40 years. All in all, it's been a great show, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. My only apologies are in the form of not being able to be at the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show going on this weekend in Portland, Oregon at the Expo Center. I promised I would, but like I told you at the beginning of the show, rupturing my tendon below my kneecap at the Washington Sportsman Show about 10 days earlier... Put a real damper on that. So couldn't make it. I'm at home recovering from surgery. Going to be wearing a knee brace for about eight weeks, and it's up in the air about whether I'm going to be able to attend the Bassmaster Classic as a member of the media in late March. I'm hoping for good news from my doc during a follow-up appointment next week prayers would definitely be appreciated. On that note, it is time to go, but here's hoping you're blessed in the days ahead, that you're healthy, and that you get out there for a little bit of Mother Nature. After all, it is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it.